I'm starting to feel nothing because then you get so used to bombing that when yes. people like tear your heart apart, you're like, you thought about this thing to say for four hours and then nobody likes it. You learn to build like this weird armor wow. around your heart. Yes. Exactly. And then you feel nothing off stage too. And Welcome Chris Tan to the OG podcast. Chris, your background, as far as I know, I met you out here doing comedy in Austin, Texas. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in Austin? How long have you done comedy? How'd you get started? I'm a rare breed. I was born and raised in Austin, but I went to school in New York and um, started comedy in New York because uh, my therapist, he pushed me to do comedy. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like exposure therapy or what kind of therapy is that? Uh, well, I was working at a bank and then I told him I was doing improv and he was like, dude, you're, you're, you're smart, you're good looking. You should do stand up. My my sister, she fucked Andrew Dice Clay. You're funnier than him. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been in like the nineties. When was uh Clay around? He I think he was popping like maybe late eighties. It's like forty years ago or something. Do you have a big age gap between you and your sister? Not um oh, he wasn't talking about Oh, his sister. Yeah, yeah his okay. Sister. I was like my trying to do the math sister. on that. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. No, I don't think unless yeah. Andrew Dice Clay was like hooking up with girls who are like negative twelve years old. Yeah, some, some sketchy for sure. Mm -hmm. So, what was your first open mic night like? How'd that go? Uh, I talked about my trip to uh, the Church of Scientology. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I, I just like told a story because that's all you do when you start out with comedy. I just yeah. talked about how like sketchy it was. Um. You have a Christian yeah. background, right? Or a nah, I uh, went to a Christian school, but I was raised Buddhist. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe I thought it was like Chris Chris Tan Christian. People, my my Instagram handle, I'll just plug it right now, yeah. is devoutly Chris Tan. But everybody who sees it, they're like, "Oh, your name's Christian," and I'm like, "No, you don't recognize the genius of this pun." <laughs> Um, but it, it does seem religious. Am I missing it? What is no, it? Explain is, the yeah. pun for all of us. Okay. Like, so uh, I'm Buddhist. That's not exactly explicit, but like I'm Buddhist. And the, the thing is like people say devoutly Christian, but then my name is Chris Tan. So then you, you put the pun on that. Right. Yeah. 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 So you did your first open mic and where was that? That was in New York. Mm -hmm. Nice. You remember what it was called? What club it was? Uh, it was at uh, the Pit, which is like an improv place. You, uh, they cram you into a little closet, and um, yeah. With so your therapist just says you, yeah. you should get out there. You should go do this, and you yeah. look up a place, and you went. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's yeah, I think he uh, pushed me to start comedy so that my did it mom solve everything? Therapy. Yeah. Did it solve the problems? <laughs> did comedy fix it? Crushed a lot of problems, created a lot more. So <laughs> equivalent exchange, maybe. There you go. As long as it balances out. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so you were raised out here. You went to New York. Now you're back in Austin. What do you mm -hmm. think of the comedy scene here? The comedy scene? It's interesting because uh, as somebody who grew up here, I never spent that much time on 6th Street. And so now after doing comedy, I feel like I... One, I know Austin way more than I did in my first, like, 18 years here. Um, but homeless people, every podcast is pretty accurate. A lot of homeless people here in Austin. I was recently at uh, the Domain, which is, like, the heart of gentrification. And I was like, there's no culture here, but it's so fucking clean. That, that's what I like about it. Yeah, what happened to Brass Tap? It's shut down. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, the domain's popping, so they uh, increased rent. So that uh, that place like was like, nah. Isn't that where Cap City is gonna be? R.I.P. The domain? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll be across from the Museum of Ice Cream. So I think we met at the domain at the uh, Hans Kim's kin- uh, Kimchi Open Mic, maybe. Or, or <laughs> oh, wait, no, wow, maybe it was a, a different Ro- maybe it was a different yeah. Romo room mic. But it was definitely no, yeah, at the it was Romo definitely room. Definitely at the Romo room. It yeah. might have been like Katie Hausman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her uh, what was she doing? Mallory was doing Holy Comedy. Katie had something. Right. No, Ridge was doing Holy Comedy. Oh yeah, it was Ridge. Right. right. Yeah, that was a good setup for a little bit. Oh, it was great. I yeah, I would probably do like ten spots there every week. Yeah, you could, nice. right? Yeah, very easily. Yeah. So, how do you find spots now? How do I find spots? Yeah, like where do you work? How do you how do you get your comedy going? Oh well, you do your own show, and then other people ask you to do their show. So that's usually just their Instagram, right? And then the rest is just like. On Instagram, there's, they'll post like every like open mic. So you started a mic? No, oh, I didn't start a mic. No, oh, I started okay. my own shows. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you where do you host those? At the Alamo Draft House oh, and cool. uh, on Mueller, like five minutes from here. Very cool. And then at uh, Ground Floor Theater. Yeah, it's like um, it's like an acting theater. It's a cool setup. That's cool. And so the whole, so, so far from what I got from your story is somebody encouraged you to do comedy. You tried it out. How many years in are you? Just hit three, three years. Yeah, okay. But you can wow. subtract a year cause of COVID. Yeah. Do you, now is that three years of consecutive working or is that three years of yeah, consecutive like 15 times a week, 15 times a week. That's a yeah, lot. That's yeah. a lot. It's like a couple times a night. Yeah. I try to go up like three or four times a night. So where do you, where's your material? What's the source of your My material? Yeah. What's, what's your inspiration from? You were talking a little bit earlier about switching it up. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, just like any other guy, uh, you talk about dicks a lot and then you evolve to the next level, which is dick or uh, pussy jokes. And then you kind of like, you realize like this, this sucks. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. And then. And then you dig a little bit deeper. Then you watch a couple of documentaries about Patrice O'Neill and uh, Richard Pryor, and you realize if I want to be like funny and like a better comedian, I have to act black. <laughs> Just like the way they talk is so natural, it's so raw, and I'm like, yeah, this Asian guy got to act more black. I've been saying "motherfucker" uh, a funny. lot more in my head recently. <laughs> that's a major key, right? I, I think so. Get the yeah. motherfuckers out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, act black. I'll try that out at some point. Uh, it might be harder for you to do. Oh, I can what? maybe yeah, get my I, ass kicked a little less than you do in public. It's dangerous these days. There's a lot of wokesters out there. A mm-hmm. lot of people looking to kick some ass, slap oh, some I like comics off stage. Wokester, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it hasn't been that long. Who got slapped after Chris Rock? Somebody got slapped. Was it Dave Chappelle? I think it was he Dave got Chappelle. Charged. I don't know if he got slapped. Yeah. Like that was a guaranteed thing ass. to happen. Whooped his ass. Yeah. Did he? I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. Holy oh, shit. the guy had like a broken clavicle. He, he looked like a, he looked like an aborted fetus. He was like walking around like this. Oh my god. I didn't see that. So what did he do to him? What's the story there? Uh, he had like his was posse. it security or was it? Oh, I think it was Dave Chappelle plus like nine guys. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he charged him first, so kicked the shit out of him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was like my top concern with uh, Will Smith. It's like that just opens the uh, Yeah, I the think door. that was a fad that died out pretty fast, thankfully. You think so? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it has. I, I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty fit. I mean, I saw you have straight up like a gym and like a, a squatting rack in your own home. So like if somebody charged you, you'd be completely fine. I don't know. They get a sucker punch in. They can knock you to the ground. Uh-huh. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Fucking start teabagging you, dominating yeah. you. You look like you could <laughs> whoop their ass, but also like tap dance them off stage. Yeah. Like it'll be a choreographed performance. Yeah. A seance. <laughs> But you had a background of being like a, a former fatty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that accurate. a culturally Are you accepted? you also a former fatty? Yeah, former fatty. Whoa, it's always the like, skinny, right. slim guys you never expect. I feel like I can spot them. I can spot a former really? fatty. Yeah. Is it the insecurities? Uh, it's like you you look too good for mm. a normal person. Normal people don't mm. look like that. What are you doing and why? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like if you diet, if you're like, as normal people just have like a regular body, right? right, right. Like they don't have like a ton of muscle. They don't have like a ton of fat. They're just regular. But uh, yeah, somebody who used to be fat, they got a yeah, lockdown. We're like barbecue. You got to marinate for it to, to look good. So what's your foods? What's your vices? My vices? Yeah. What do you like to eat? Oh man, I got a bad sweet tooth. For a good year, I told myself I could only eat sweets on Fridays, but now I cheat like every night. If I give you a chocolate, will you eat one in front of the camera? No, I don't like chocolate. You don't like chocolate? No, it's no, the best no, sweet. No, no. no, I don't like... Don't I let like, women hear that. No. Why? They love chocolate. Well, God, I hope they like bananas more. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Get a little banana split over here. Uh, yeah, so sweets. What else? What's my your go-to? My biggest favorite sweets. Yeah, like... How were you? Milkshakes, as a fat honestly. Milkshake. I love milkshakes. Dude. Hell yeah. This has only been like in the last couple of years, but growing up, uh, I was. Wait, I want to hear your story. How were you fat? Like, and how'd you get out of it? I also love milkshakes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it had, well, it's been a couple of years now. Uh, I started losing weight in 2015. Um, so whatever that is, seven years. Yeah, that's actually kind of recent ish i think you know. yeah that's some of the content i'm putting out these days i've been focusing less that. on stand-up and more on just content creation okay. basically uh what what do i have to say to the world there's right. things i want to say through comedy there's things i want to say through podcasting and there's things that i want to say explicitly through like youtube or whatever mm-hmm. and so uh some of the youtube content is just like it's really not that crazy to maintain a physical baseline once you get there what's hard is to like be 300 pounds and then go back or whatever yeah. so what was your what was your top uh I was highest, 13, highest weight i was five foot seven and 190 pounds it's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's not, it's <laughs> like not how you enormous. had to like, like yeah, like it's your teeth breathe. It's enough a of a teeth. It's enough to get a teeth breath. Yeah, <laughs> suck it in a little bit. Uh oh. Yeah, so that was my peak. What was yours? Uh, I'm five eleven. Um, and my peak was two eighty four. Whoa! Uh, on record. Whoa! On record. How much was of that was boy. muscle? Zero. Oh, you literally didn't zero. Never, okay. never. Whoa, that's I didn't. Crazy. I didn't touch a weight until 2018. Was the first time I ever picked up a weight okay. in my life. I mean, okay. I guess as a kid, I played football or whatever. You know, you go to the yeah. gym for a few minutes. I wasn't that serious about uh-huh. it. 
But were you uh, fat as a kid, like middle school uh-huh. and high school? Well, really? more like high school. I, I got fatter in middle school. I don't know. I was kind of in my own world. Like you look back and you're like, it's probably the pressures of like school and changing and like the social world and all mm-hmm. these different things that are like causing kids to get obese. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I never really saw the advantages of being more fit until way later in life. Interesting. My, uh, I was lucky. I had a therapist push me to do comedy. I had a doctor push me to the treadmill. She was like, uh, if you get any fatter, you're going to get diabetes. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's consequences for being fat. But this sure. is what people don't talk about. Wait, are you, do you like girls, guys? Or what? Uh, I like girls, yeah. yeah okay. All right. I, I don't know these days. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. But the here's what I thought. Like, when I lost the weight in middle school, I lost 45 pounds didn't get any pussy and i was like the being fat wasn't the problem what the hell is this then so yeah i love uh angry white comedians bill burr louis ck that kind of guy Uh those are my favorite how about you um i like i i guess you could say angry black guys channeling Uh the black guys again yeah yeah, we gotta get their swagger Steal their, well, you steal know, their I mean, I'm, I'm already doing, uh, okay. my shirt is you already got, doing, uh, you got the plain like black tee going. Yeah. You got the solid color pants. Yeah. I'm, I'm sporting the ripped jeans. This is just like suburban, <laughs> suburban white. Give boy. me your pants. Basic white boy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you asked about the artwork on the OG pod. Yeah. Yeah. It looks good. So that is actually created by an AI. Are you yeah. Serious. Yeah. How cool is that? So basically, I met this guy actually here in Austin at a crypto event a couple of weeks ago. Maybe uh-huh. you saw that happening. And he has this startup. I think it's called Wamba Art. Oh, it's the Dream app. Dream. Uh, if you search in the App Store Dream. Mm-hmm. And he gets something like, I don't know, it's millions of generations a day. Uh-huh. But basically, you just type in a bunch of words. And then, it, and then you choose a bunch of styles. Uh-huh. And then it creates art. And so you can create, the nice thing about it is you can create like 10 different versions instantly of different keywords and different styles. And so I just kept generating, generating, and then it's like, I like that one. Boom. Okay. So was there a fee or? No, it's all free. It's all free? Oh, I'm doing that later tonight. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah, definitely will. Vivek is his name. Uh, Vivek. Okay. Yeah. Check it out. It's very cool. And so, yeah, I'm very into AI, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much you... I yeah, I don't know that stuff. much about it. I was uh, I studied econ and religion in college, so I'm like okay. quite literally like the polar opposite of like AI. I took one class on MATLAB and it kicked my ass. <laughs> I I tried to cheat my way through the class. I called MATLAB the company and I was like, I have a final project. Is there some engineer I can pay to do this? Oh my god! And then they just hung up on me. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I also have a pointless college experience: accounting. Uh-huh. I took accounting. Whoa, okay. Yeah, for it didn't help me. I didn't learn anything, but mm-hmm. that's what I studied. Wait, what is your your job right now? Uh, well, I spent six years working at Snapchat, and mm-hmm. so I'm a tech guy who's working. Oh, so out you're in born LA. to be a content creator. Uh, I think it's a fun new world, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I would love to be a content creator. Uh, Snap, it doesn't happen as much. Snap is more about like one to one communication. Right. But um, that's kind of like my theory for the next like wave of jobs. What are people going to do mm-hmm. is I think a lot more people are going to be doing creative jobs 
because so much stuff is going to get automated. Right. Like imagine if every fast food restaurant is automated, if every trucking job is automated. Well, that's like 5% of jobs globally or what I have no mm -hmm. idea what it is, but mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge percentage. And so what are all these people going to do? I think they're going to do creative things. Right. Even, even like politicians like Elizabeth Warren, she has an Instagram. Oh my like God. That, it blows my mind. Like every Senator has an Instagram with like yeah. a million followers. And that's crazy. Cause they need somebody to like make a story for them. Or like if they're, yeah. they have like some, they're trying to raise money and like talk at a rally. They need some sort of a cool flyer to yep. attract like millennials. Now that's crazy, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like comedy is something that takes a lot of your soul and you have to put so much into it. You know, it's like you have to bleed continuously into the bucket <laughs> and, and then you get like one drop out the other side and then eventually it accumulates and accumulates and it, and it becomes something better. Uh, with content creation, there's, it's so easy. You just hit record, hit mm -hmm. publish, people mm -hmm. look at it where they don't, you right, know, right. there's no, so here's something I've been thinking about with comedy. There's a lot of people that say that comedy is a meritocracy and that it's like a gate it, that there's no gatekeepers. And that's what's so good about it. And I'm like, comedy to me just seems like every other place in the world, which is yeah. who do you know? And what are they willing to do for you? That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. a it's a meritocracy on a very high level. Okay. Like when you talk to like comics like Louis C.K. or like Bill Burr, I think that's a meritocracy. But like to get to that level, you have to start be, your own show. Yeah, start your own show. Be very likable. You have to get a group of friends, and then um, that's that's just how you do it. Just like any yeah. other world, like how yeah. do you get a promotion at like Goldman Sachs? You have like the manager who hires people say that they want you. Yeah. Like it's, it's as simple as that. It is. It is. It's it, it, and it is kind of like the same thing as everywhere else. But one thing that's like if you want to go get a job in tech, well, there's a path for you. You go to this school. You study these programs. You take this interview. You read those notes to prep for that. Mm -hmm the interviewer is going to give you the guide that they're going to score you on yeah. and you go through that whole process. If you want to start doing comedy, zero guides, zero guides, right. you just show up to an open mic and hope you get picked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, no, you can do way more than that. Okay. Aside from just hoping that being picked, I think, uh, if your purpose is just to like get booked and right. Just to get on shows. Well, just to like, I think one of the most difficult things I've had with comedy any skill I've ever been able to develop in life is has been around just doing practicing something like very constrained again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So like with weightlifting, like you're doing the exact same movement every single day, right. three or three times a week or whatever for years. And that is hard to do in comedy if you're not getting consistent uh, access to feedback from the audience. Mm -hmm which is like a very guarded resource. Everyone wants to perform in front of a live audience right. and that's a very <laughs> limited resource. So it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Like you have to have that access to the feedback to learn how you suck, basically how you're mm -hmm. bombing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you can't really get that without being good. Right. So how do you get around that? To get around that? I think, uh, you have to start like on a very fundamental level, like just getting up at open mics. Yeah. Even if you have like two real people listening, I, I did an open mic on Monday night in front of two people. Totally. I, and it was productive because they laughed at the stuff that they thought was funny and the stuff that wasn't funny, they didn't laugh. Yep. And so the barometer, even it changes 
Um, but like it to a certain point, if you have like real people listening that the number doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's the right? feedback. Yeah, exactly. And, um, just, just be a hound about it, you know, like just be like a stage whore. Like you'll perform in front of one person if they're kind of listening. If they have half an AirPod in, they're like, you'll still do it. Yeah. Just be a whore about it. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how you get up like 15 times a week. I mean, if you do 60 sets in a month, 40 of them are probably going to be mediocre. 10 are going to suck balls and then five will be really good. So how much shows. do you think comedy is like the NBA? Like if you're saying, I want to go be a comedian, uh, is that like saying, I want to go be Kobe Bryant? Or do you think there's more space, more room? Ooh, that's a good, uh, we're really playing on the black theme today, mm-hmm. you know? Very multidimensional. The, the, uh, yeah, those guys are our heroes. <laughs> Cultural heroes, at least. <laughs> we got that on air. He's a good one. He's one of the good ones. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Is comedy like the NBA? You can go independent in comedy now. You can't really do that with the NBA. Uh, even LeBron needs to play for a team. Yeah. If he's just like the best player in the world, it means nothing if he's just standing alone on the court. Totally. But comedy is, um, you can make your own specials now. You can sell out your own shows. You don't need Comedy Central to, to sign you. So I think you can in that way. And in that way, it is more of a meritocracy and there are less gatekeepers because it's not like Hollywood where there's like 12 people. They know each other. You're not getting past the gate unless what, you know, Mm -hmm. like how many different mics and even micro communities are there out here in Austin? You could, you know, like get into all sorts of different communities, still gatekeepers, but it's not the same as um, other entertainment industries. You mean like the open mic scene for comedy versus open mic in music or? Well, I don't know. I haven't really done anything else, but um, I would imagine that it's a lot easier to, yeah, do an open mic in comedy than to get a venue to play music on a stage or or get booked for an acting gig. But I have actually no idea uh, how the rest of the entertainment industry stacks up Mm. in terms of accessibility. It's funny because you look like you'd be a good actor. Well, somebody hire me. <laughs> I don't want to have to audition or work, <laughs> but I'll say some lines. I haven't, not to like blow my own horn, but like I, me and Ty Wynn, we have like a, an acting agent. <laughs> We've done like 15 auditions. Nothing has held through. Oh yeah. How'd you find that? Uh, I did a show. Uh, Ty, I know Ty. House. What's his last yeah, name Ty again? Wynn. Yeah, is he anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a comic. Yeah. And speaking of doing shows for two people, two people in the audience at his house, we did a show, and then one of them was a uh, an agent for like acting gigs, and then she liked us. Oh, so hell she yeah. performed for two people. You know, hell yeah, performed for two people. Yeah, that's yeah. where it's at. Well, I mean, Dave Chappelle used to do stand up in the park, right? Yeah. Like after he left, uh, what was it called? The Chappelle show. Yeah. Um, he used to just go do it in the park. That's like something I plan to do. I'd be a whore about it. Oh, be a dude, whore. I would, I'm totally going to do that one day. I'm just going to go. I'll do this when I'm in Utah. I'll go to Salt Lake City and I'm just going to start preaching. Oh my God. Did your dog like slide through the 40 pounds of dumbbells? I think the leash is just really long. Oh, he's chill. <laughs> He's part of the fam. 
but yeah like um it's like that's a strong neck but, so when you say be a whore about it you mean you gotta you gotta take every chance you get to be on stage don't be and picky. to express I see yourself a lot yeah of don't be picky who totally. are funny they get booked and all that they're like oh i'm not doing that open mic mm-hmm. like ah, dude i knew people in new york who were like um there's somebody in new york who was like very well known for his work ethic his name is usama Siddiqui. he was like at like America's Got Talent, been passed at the cellar, done JFL. I did open mics with him when I started. And then when he came out to Austin, like maybe half a year ago, he did another open mic after like doing spots at the Creek, like a a comedy club. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, why should you not be doing this all the time? What are your uh, favorite clubs out here? I love the Creek. Uh That's probably my favorite. Uh I mean, Vulcan. I have a little uh, drug stash in Vulcan, and somebody gets to find it. <laughs> it's still what there. A drug I, stash? <laughs> yeah. Did you like hide it in a closet so when you do uh-huh. coke, you just stop in? No, it's just a little bit of weed. But uh, uh, no, it's just so if I ever didn't have some with me, I'd have uh-huh. it there on site. Because I used to be there all the time. How do you I make sure it's not cleaned up? There's not some like heroin addict like hiding in the corner? Like... It's pretty well hidden. It's pretty well hidden. Interesting. Yeah. It's in a spot nobody would ever look. That's for sure. I mean, you'd have to do the same. I started in uh, LA. I mean, I didn't start, but I got interested in comedy in LA. Uh I used to hang out at the comedy store, which of course now this was before it was like a big deal. Mm. Now it's a big deal. And I did the same thing out there. Like I'd sneak into the back and go up in the kitchen and smoke weed in there upstairs or whatever. Okay. (laughs) Well, hope, well, as somebody who doesn't smoke weed but is interested in good hiding places, maybe you can tell me off air where you hide things okay. so I can I'll find a good place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll like tell you the, my strategy. Yeah, okay. Like the janitor's asshole or something. It's just like <laughs> in place you would yeah, just some place nobody would ever want to put their hand. The darkest, weirdest hole. That's where you hide stuff. Interesting. <laughs> so it's like in the corner. It's a, you know. Anyway. Okay, I like it. Stuff like that. But uh, freaking comedy. It's. <laughs> It, it can be a grind, but there is something about it. I remember my first time doing it. Um, the thing that impressed me was, God, this is like so much feedback in yeah. real time. Yeah. And like people are like looking at you and they're like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And then you can fuck it up or not. Yeah. And if you do well, then they're all enjoying it. And then even that, you know, sometimes it's harder to like accept the praise, like accept the applause, accept the joke. You've like, have you got applause breaks already? I mean, when I was doing it in Salt Lake, um, there used to be pretty big crowds there. So mm-hmm. there used uh, to be okay. like 60 people. And whenever they did laugh, I was so surprised. Yeah. I was so shocked that they actually liked it. That I was like, I'd lose my right. place. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's um, definitely something to figure out. Yeah, when a new joke hits, you're like, whoa, that worked. That worked. Yeah. What's a joke that you've already retired? That you can share with us. Oh, 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 if any, if any. I went on a date with this uh, cute Mexican girl, and then she ruined it. She was like, "I love you." What if we got married? It's totally true. Caleb, isn't it awkward when girls try to become U.S. citizens? <laughs> That's their only path, marriage. <laughs> Gives us an advantage. I always thought dating an immigrant would be like, you know, they'd be very happy just to be there. <laughs> Dude, I take I, that back. You're not one of the good ones. Damn. Well, I, I haven't Damn. done it. I'm just saying there's certain advantages. <laughs> you look like you would like a Filipino girl. A Filip- I think I would, actually. Yeah. I think I would. <laughs> I can't really imagine what one looks like, but if there's any Filipinos out there, hit me up. <laughs> just imagine a Mexican girl, but 
a little bit shorter than that. <laughs> now, isn't that Asian? It's Asian, I think. Yeah, uh, imagine an Asian Mexican. Oh. Yeah. So what, they're colonized by Spain. Uh, I didn't know that. What's, uh, what's next for you in comedy? Like, what are you working on? Where do you want to, like, w- are you going to stick a, stay out here in Austin? I mean, I you're from here. I think I would here, so. uh, like to go back to New York in, like, half a year. Okay. I would say, I think, just, like, the funniest people are there. When you're around the funniest people, you'd be an idiot not to get funnier. Yeah. You know, I just want to climb faster. Uh, that is so true, though, that you get funnier being around. I hope that Mike can't pick up this picture. No, that's okay. But uh, you get funnier just being around funny people. I mean, really, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, they really rub off on you. That's one of the right. things I miss about working in tech is like all those guys went to Stanford, MIT, Harvard. You know, like they went to these really interesting institutions and they're working at like these really high levels mm-hmm. and that definitely does rub off on you. Right. And it's the same thing with comedy. Like if you're just hanging around other comics and they're jabbing and they're like, you know, like just that, that hangout really sharpens you. Mm, it definitely does. When you constantly have your balls busted. Yep. I think more than anything in comedy, you have to be almost like a nihilist. To where like the joke is is king. That's yes. that's the prime factor, because when <laughs> when you honestly, this is a problem that I'm running into, but it's also good for comedy. Is that I'm starting to feel nothing, like right? Because then you get so used to bombing that when yes. people like tear your heart apart, you're like you thought about this thing to say for four hours and then nobody likes it. You learn to build like this weird armor Wall. around your heart. Yes. Exactly. And then you feel nothing off stage too. And dude, it's like, I know exactly fuck, what you're talking dude, about. Fuck. That's a great description. Yeah. You, you kind of have to, that's like the bombing muscle. Right. That's like 4 PM at the Romo room. The only person paying attention just walked out of the room and now you're alone. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, well I'm just going to keep talking into this mic because I have right. it. Right. <laughs> or whatever you know like mm-hmm. you have to like let it not but that's i think with bombing that's a skill because if you can get that wall built where you're not like being affected emotionally then you can still stay in the fun part of it and you can still enjoy it and that's how you're going to get people back when you are bombing right. is if you're genuinely having fun you're genuinely enjoying it nothing's fake you're just like laughing right. at yourself bombing or whatever right but then when your dad tells you he loves you you don't feel anything and you're like oh fuck (laughs) ah there's something there there's something there no but you are totally right like uh and like when i me and ty like performed in front of that talent agent i was having the time of my life performing in front of two people it was just so fun you just become a nihilist you're like even if this place is packed or if there's one person there i'm gonna have fun that's where the nihilism is great that's where it's a tool that helps you Yeah. yeah Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I like what you said that the joke is all that matters. And if the joke is at your expense, it's all the better. Right, right. There's funny Asian jokes, yeah. Yeah, what are you, what, how do people mock you? What are your, how do they bust your balls? Um, in comedy, not that much, but in high school. Everyone would college, be too afraid these days. Be like labeled a racist. Yeah, I know. I would love to cancel some white guys. Lay it on me, fellas. Yeah, let's get Tony canceled. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to know what Tony we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hawk. Yeah. You never yeah. heard that. Yeah. yeah. Not a pro skater anymore. 
but yeah, the joke is all that matters. Like finding, um, finding the path that makes something unexpected or just, I don't know, whatever makes something funny, whatever mm -hmm. it's funny. I'm interested to hear what you think about this. As somebody who works in tech but does comedy, those are two polar opposite worlds. One's very professional. One's kind of like an underground art form, you know. How do people feel in, in tech? How do they feel when they hear that you do stand-up comedy? Well, I left my job uh, before I started doing stand-up. And mm -hmm. so if I ever got a job back in tech, I think that would be quite the talking point. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Like you say, they're kind of polar opposites. Okay. Um, but tech people are very like inform data oriented, information oriented. And so I don't know. I feel like they'd get it pretty. Yeah. Like, I don't think it'd be a problem. You definitely probably have to be more careful. Like, do you restrict your content in any way? Do you, do you restrict what you say? Or if something comes to mind, doesn't matter how fucked up it is. You're just going to throw it out there. Uh, I'd say, uh... Like 10% is filtered. I just won't cuss that much in front of certain people. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about raw dogging at work and then I kind of lost all my coworkers respect one day and I was like, maybe I should not say that. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be careful when it comes to, to that stuff. Uh, well, what else, what else have we not covered about the Chris Tan story? The Chris Tan story. You talked about, uh, Utah when I first got here, I, I enjoyed Utah quite a bit. It's, um, I think it's like a cooler version of California in a lot oh, yeah. of ways. Yeah. What is that? Because uh, nature-wise, it's like a, almost on par as California. The people are like very laid back. It's like, um, how do I say it? Politically, it's like not too in your face, like not overtly liberal out in Utah. Like in Salt Lake City, at least mm -hmm. over in L.A., they're always like uh, COVID this, COVID that. Utah, they're pretty laid back about it, which I liked a lot. So have you spent much time out there or? Yeah, I, um, I spent like maybe four or five months just like driving around in a truck and then like solo backpacking. Oh, in California, damn. Utah and Colorado. You spent four months solo backpacking? Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So how many states? Three states there? Three states, yeah. Holy cow. So how would you find your route? Did you plan everything ahead of time or did you just no, pick up and go? No, I would just meet wow. people and I'd be like, where should I go? I'm going here. And then they'd be like, yeah, just do this. And then it was Billy just like taking it day by day. Utah has like a ton of natural beauty. Did you go southern, mid, northern? I went, I hit all the national parks, nice. but I was, um, yeah, I stayed in Moab a lot. It's like southern Utah. Was this before or after stand-up? This is during COVID, so like a okay. year into stand-up and then uh, eight months off and then back into comedy. Did you try Wise Guys Open Mic in Salt Lake City? No, I didn't. They weren't open when I was oh, there. Dude, you'll have to try it sometime. I heard it's great. Yeah, you said it it's like 60 great. people at open mics. Yeah, It's the most people I've ever seen at an open mic, uh, mm -hmm. other than like you can't really count Kill Tony show because it's such like, you know, a right. big show or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as far as an actual open mic goes, consistently, dozens of people, sometimes like it would be packed. That's crazy. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of uh, performing in a town where there's not too much comedy. Totally. And there were <laughs> to, not too much to do. There's really not like yeah. a ton to do. I mean, they, you know, they got it's their own version of Sixth Street. It's about three bars. But, mm. Yeah. Mm. 
but yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be sad to lose Sixth Street. Sixth Street, people dump on it, but I love it there. I like, hate it. I what, hate it. Tell too me many why homeless. You like it, and I'll shit oh, on it. I love tell the you why grunge. You're I love the homeless guys. Um, you're so clean. Like this whole place is so clean. How do you like the grunge? I get along with homeless people. Like something about we have the same mind. I think. I think I'm a homeless person that really? never that it's just so got lucky. funny because you live at the heart of gentrification. Like this place is too. <laughs> the Mueller in Austin, Texas, is like. Kryptonite I, to homeless people. Yeah, me and homeless people we're the same side of the same coin, or we're different sides of the same coin. If you just flip me, I'd be homeless. Uh, but yeah, no, I like that. I just like all the bars, all the clubs, all the restaurants. There's like a ton of people. What restaurants on Sixth Street. I don't think I've ever eaten on. Oh, actually, at this El Besides Camino Real, that was pretty good. What? That Mexican place, kind of by the Vulcan, El Camino Real. I think oh yeah, they have good burgers. Yeah, they had good burgers mm-hmm. and sides. But I just like the vibe. I just like the vibe. You go out on a Thursday night and it's packed with people uh-huh. just like getting wasted and having fun. And yeah. So what do you, uh, do you hate all those things or what's your thought? Yeah. Okay. I, oh man. That's like partly why like Austin comedy, there's so many opportunities here, but I hate that all the opportunities are on the same strip. Yep. It's like. As somebody who was like born and raised here, I'm like, it's Sixth Street is like so romanticized because every time like I would tell people I'm from Austin, like, oh, Sixth Street, that's the shit. I'm like, dude, you can get hammered anywhere, man. Rainy Street is kind of a good one. I, I, I've literally been there twice in my life. I don't know. You know. When it's not hot, it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's nice because you can sit on a lawn chair, get hammered and then stare at chicks. On Sixth Street, you got to stand to stare at the chicks. There you go. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, I've loved this conversation. I love how that's the, how it's going to end. <laughs> the, well, it have to Chris end. is I mean, staring at curls. we got to end it there. I just want to find like the most awkward point for you to end it there. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I've seen you do stand-up. I love your stand-up. You have a show tonight. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. Um, what else? What else do people need to know? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, devoutlychristan. Uh, I run a monthly show at the Alamo Draft House in Mueller. We give away free movie tickets, so if you come, you'll laugh, and you might watch Top Gun for free. Damn, there you have it, Top Gun for free. <laughs> All right, great time.